we like to welcome you back to part two of our current event and weekly Bible study for December 15th, 2013. Uh, going to switch gears here. This is entitled, CDC's Obamacare Secret Security Force is Not Very Secret, uh, but Definitely Scary. The Drudge Report had a headline today informing people about Obamacare setting up a secret security force for those uh, aware of what is going on with the government's 8, 7, and 9 pandemic planning. Now, I've, dis- I've discussed that in some recent teachings, the H seven and 9 hemorrhagic bird flu, okay, which is like, it's kind of like the H5N1, the one I reported on back in 06. It's like it's really nasty big brother who's way, way more bad to the bone. Um, anyway, for those of... For those aware of what is going on, the government's H7N9 pandemic planning, this is not very secret, because they're they're doing all kinds of things here in America and in a lot of these other um, islands in the Pacific Rim that I, we talked about to prepare. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. But it is something the media doesn't cover very much, likely because the concern would cause the citizenry, if they knew it, um, yes, the CDC believes it has the authority to put a gun to your head and force you to take that experimental shot of H7N9 vaccine. And oh, by the way, they just, just did order 600 million syringes to give every person in the USA a total of two shots. So in other words, he's of the opinion, the guy that wrote this in this Potter blog, he's of the heavy opinion that when H7N9, if, it, if and when it makes its big debut on a worldwide scale, uh, because of massive human-to-human transmission, that you won't be able to refuse the vaccines. That they're going to say it's mandatory. And again, that's, you know, you're going to have to totally rely on the Lord at that point to protect you from, you know, having to get the shots and these types of things. And uh, um, anyway, I've talked a ton about that, that subject. I'm just going to kind of touch on it today because there have been some new things that have come up. Moreover, not only does the CDC have 600 million syringes on the way, they just created a new division and are staffing that division for the primary purpose of nationalizing state and local health departments by embedding their own people in these health departments and by moving the locals onto the federal payroll. Of course, you need not take our word for it. They're very forthright about the situation and plans in their announcements in the Federal Register and their orders on FedBizOps. Uh, see the source links below. Now, I give you all of these source links of the source documents. I, I'm not going to... There's like, I don't know how many links here. If you want to check this out further. Um, but it's easily verifiable. And I'm just going to give you a couple cliff note things that have happened... Um, this is from December 14th, uh, actually yesterday, this came out. Alert H7N9 detected in Europe. It's the first time it's been detected in Europe. It's been all in the Orient. Now it's actually been detected in Europe. There's a family currently under medical observation. H7N9 bird flu has been detected on a small chicken farm in Mortola, Portugal. All individuals who had interactions with the birds are under medical observation. Now there's a, there's a video link you can click on if you want to know more about that. Uh, next one, this is from December 4th, H7N9 alert, explosive situation in Hong Kong emergency rooms. We estimate 800 new H7N9 infections in Hong Kong by, they're saying by 1212, now we've already went by that date, I don't know how many there are, but they're suppressing all of this news. 
Um, the situation is being called explosive. Emergency rooms in Hong Kong are bursting with patients with influenza-like illness. There's a 15-hour wait to see patients. The Queen Elizabeth Hospital was packed with more than 150 patients. Hospitals are starting to now use temporary beds. I'm not sure if that is still as bad. If it's worse, I don't know. But that was a link he put out on December 4th, which was you know only about 11 days ago. Next report, H7N9 um, hospital spread being hidden in China. The tru- This is from December 9th, so just six days ago. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth seems to be a system foreign to the Chinese public health out- outlets, as we never get all three facets of the truth from them at the same time. It seems to us that the Chinese have been molding information releases possibly to control societal angst. In other words, there's a huge cover-up regarding the H7N9 hemorrhagic bird flu going on. Now remember what we said before. If you contract it, and God doesn't intervene, unless you go on advanced life support systems, it has a 100% mortality rate. 100% of the time you die unless you go on advanced life support systems. Okay? Like breathing apparatuses and quarantine and probably the, 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 the most heavy-duty antivirals on the planet. Okay? So this is what they're saying here. It's way worse than H5N1 which had about a 60% kill rate, and that wasn't even if you went on advanced life support. I mean, this this has a 100% kill rate if you don't go on that. So it's, it's much worse. Next report. CDC emergency medical stockpile deliveries to the Pacific. This is just from December 10th. The Centers for Disease Control is readying to make emergency air deliveries of the Strategic National Medical Stockpile to the U.S. Pacific Island protectorates and allies. The CDC is contracting with air cargo carrier Asia Pacific Airlines for the three B-27s to make these emergency deliveries. Of course, Pacific Islands are likely to be the first place we see H7N9 bird flu as high-wealth Chinese flee Hong Kong. In other words, they're going to try to get off the mainland to an island that's isolated Hopefully where the infection hasn't spread. Makes sense. High wealth, meaning people that have deep pockets and can get there via aircraft. In fact, the U.S. government war game pandemic influenza in the Pacific on August 27th through 30th of 2013, which was called Operation Lightning Rescue 2013, which was led by the National Emergency Management Office of the Republic of Palau, and supported by the United States Army Pacific, and which was led, which was the lead agency for this activity for the early years. The three-day tabletop ex- exercise was held August 27th through 29th, and focused on multi-agency coordination during the response and recovery phases of a major pandemic influenza infectious disease emergency. So, they're gearing up for something um, in that area and also on the mainland here. Um, again, I've already reported on this heavily, um, through the avian flu presentations I've done, talked about the colloidal, the mild silver protein, 
And I'll go ahead and give, I'm going to re-give those links here um, in the uh, PDF just so you have them. Um, particularly for uh, somebody that's hearing this for the first time so you can understand from an alternative healthcare perspective um, how I believe mild silver protein can be a huge factor. Also building up your own immune system and these types of things, how that can be an unbelievably huge factor if and when this pandemic arrives here. And again, it'll be by design because they want to create that new world order out of the chaos they're bringing. And they also want to depopulate the planet. And that would be a the most logical, efficient way to do that. Not only they could kill two birds with one stone, impose martial law, bring about their new world order out of chaos, and depopulate the planet all in one fell swoop, and then in the end they come out smelling like a rose because they look like the good guys trying to save humanity, when in fact they were the ones that caused it, perpetuated it, created it in a laboratory, and then released it, and then further perpetuated that through these tainted vaccines that they'll bring to the front, just like they did in the 1919-1918 Spanish flu outbreak. I am still running the special on the silver, um, if you get the silver through me personally, and um, um, if you want to know more about that, just email me. Um, okay. Okay, so I just added that into the PDF. Um, and uh, my presentation is Avian Flu Pandemics, What to Expect and How to Prepare, uh, Avian Flu Population Control, H5N1, and Biological Warfare. Now, remember, all of this still applies equally to H7N9 hemorrhagic. It's just that H7N9 is way worse than what I'm talking about in the video, okay, H5N1, 60% kill rate without treatment, at least, if not more, uh, or actually, maybe with, I think it's without treatment, 60%, H7N9, 100% kill rate, without treatment, without any treatment at all, so, um, yeah, and again, the problem is is that even if you were able to procure advanced life support systems, it would be almost unbelievably, incredibly low likelihood you were ever going to get that because they don't have a lot of advanced life support systems in the typical hospital. It's not like they've got, oh yeah, we've got about 400 in here. No, they've got like a handful in each hospital if they've even got that, and those are going to probably go to the highest bidder. I hate to say that, but so not something you want to get caught up in. Anyway, let's go further. Um, horror. As patient wakes up in New York hospital with doctors trying to harvest her organs for transplant profits. How would you like to wake up and they're trying to harvest your organs because you're an organ donor? Is this for real? Is this a money-making business? Here's a link to it. This is from uh, Natural News from Mike Adams. And then I have a comment here. It says, um, my response is absolutely. I, re I reported on this as well. If you see the movie Coma, the old one and the remake, this is total evil. I mean, they do this. They openly admit to doing this. And it is for profit. And if you are an organ donor then they have um, much more incentive to make sure you die so that they can profit off your organs. As if they're not profiting enough with the pharmaceutical profits and all of the other ways they make and abscound money. 
Never be an organ donor unless you want to take a huge risk if you end up in the hospital. I'm serious. You do not want to be an organ donor. This is the the main story. It says, I've warned national, natural news readers about this several times over the last decade. Do not become an organ donor. And he's saying it as well. Although you may wish to help others out from the goodness of your heart, literally, the sinister truth is that doctors routinely harvest organs from living patients right here in the United States. And here's more proof. This is... Um, um, this story will astound you. A woman named Colleen Burns recently opened her eyes to find herself on an operating table in Syracuse, New York. Looking around, she noticed that she was the subject of the operation. It turns out the doctors were about to harvest her organs and send them to uh, other waiting surgeons who would transplant them into other patients, all at a gigantic, huge profit. This isn't fiction. It was covered by ABC News. There's even a link here to the story. And several other news sources as well. It really did happen. And it happens all the time. And how did it happen? Doctors falsely pronounced her dead by fraudulently claiming she had suffered cardiopulmonary arrest and irreversible brain damage. How convenient. This gave them the medical justification to start slicing away even while the woman's heart was still beating. Yeah, you. I mean, hey, this is the uh, wonderful world we live in. This is a big... Um, Um, this is a big, I didn't know that fact about organ donations. Doctors don't wait until you're really dead many times. At least not by the normal definition of dead. See, you and I think dead means your heart isn't beating and your brain isn't functioning and you're lifeless. But hospitals, on the other hand, happen to generate huge profits from the trade of transplant organs. And a lot of times, I mean, if you look at that show Coma, it goes to the highest bidder. They'll literally take the organ, they got it on ice, okay, and they're like, okay, we got a kidney from a 20-year-old male, 28-year-old male, blood type, whatever, no disease, no, okay, who's, let, let the bidding begin, you know, the, the old auction guy or whatever, and, you know, they bid on the old organ there. Meanwhile, the hospital got it 100% free. No money. Just like they make massive amounts of money off blood you donate for free. I mean, everything about the hospital is an absolute money-making, you know, most of the time, a lot of times, it's just a money-making scam. They happen to generate huge profits from the transplant of organs and have a strong financial incentive to declare you medically dead long before you're actually lifeless. They can, in fact, declare you dead even when your heart is still beating and you still have brain activity, and they often do. This is how a lot of organ harvesting in America actually gets done. Patients that are on the verge of death, but not yet actually dead, are simply declared dead, and then their organs are quickly removed, killing them for good. Yeah, so you know, you're not dead, but they're going to finish off when they take out your organs. It's a crime that takes place every day in America, where U.S. hospitals have been caught over and over again in engaging in black market organ trafficking. Here's a Link you can click on. It's entitled U.S. Hospitals Secretly Promote Black Market Trading of Harvested Organs for Transplants. 
Organ trafficking is a multi-billion dollar industry. Wealthy people from around the world are always in need of new kidneys, new livers, new hearts, and other body parts. And guess who makes the money on all these organ transplants? The doctors, the hospitals, the drug companies, of course. Organ transplants are hugely profitable industry, largely because they get organs for free. Patients who are killed by these doctors are never paid for their organs. The fact that they, quote, donate them actually means that they are donating their immensely valuable organs to a for-profit system that is going to earn potentially millions of dollars off the organs of a single donor. So while the donor patient gets murdered for his or her organs as the reward... The doctors engage in organ removal and organ transplants get wealthy. The organ and organ transplants get wealthy. Anyway, that was not written correctly. Transplant recipients and health insurance companies pay huge dollars for organ transplant surgeries, and the profits are ongoing because the transplant recipients must also, must also pay for a long course of organ transplant anti-rejection drugs. All priced at top dollar monopoly prices, of course. So they're getting rich several different ways off this uh, one of the many, many myriad of medical scams out there. Truth be told, the organ transplant industry is all about money and not at any cost. It's about killing patients who might otherwise survive in order to, in order to take their organs and make millions of dollars, transplanting them into other patients. Patients who typically only have a few months to live even after the transplant. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then here's another report you can read. Global organ harvesting is a booming black market business, a kidney harvested every hour. Going back to the main report, here's another dirty little trick the organ transplant in industry will never tell you. The organs that are transplanted into other patients are often fatally damaged and full of infectious diseases. Hmm, that's comforting. As yet more proof of this, take the case of Colleen Burns, mentioned above. She tried to commit suicide by taking a toxic combination of prescription medications. According to the doctors, the toxic cocktail of chemicals was fatal and killed her. They pronounced her dead. Yet simultaneously, they insisted her organs were totally healthy, healthy enough to even transplant into another patient. That's why they almost, that's when they almost began harvesting them. In other words, even organs that doctors know are heavily damaged with toxic chemical cocktails, will still be transplanted into their patients. This is 100% true. But, but what's even worse than that? There are effectively zero quality standards in the organ transplant industry. If the organ still functions at any level, it's good enough to be slapped into a transplant patient, even though that organ might actually kill them. But hey, as long as they make their money, that's all that matters. One of the reasons organ transplant patients often die so quickly after receiving transplants is because the organs they receive are ticking time bombs of disease. I mean, this is some really gross, nasty stuff. In introducing a diseased heart or kidney into someone's body, for example, can suddenly infest that person with hundreds or even thousands of viruses and bloodborne illnesses that quickly overcome their weakened, already weakened immune systems. This is made even worse by the anti-rejection drugs, which by definition cause extreme suppression of their immune function. I mean, where do I sign up, you know, for all this? This sounds great. So at the exact time that the new diseases are being introduced into the transplant recipient's bodies, their immune system is being undermined by anti-rejection drugs. Not surprisingly, this is a recipe for disaster. And that's one reason why so many patients die so quickly after receiving 
donor organs. So, sorry to burst your bubble if you had other thoughts about that, but yeah, it's pretty bad stuff. Um, okay, just some questions I received, a um, little bit of a health corner here, some questions I've received uh, um, from some uh, listeners. I had a question from Jay. He said, colloidal silver questions. Anything that mild silver protein can do for a toothache? I gave him a link to a uh, Mike Adams natural news report. They get into some natural remedies for toothaches. My response, though, was colloidal silver is mentioned here in his report. But he's only going to mention the really weak stuff, like the 20 part per million or whatever. Um, whereas I'm saying you need to use like 5,000 part per million. Anyway, colloidal silver is mentioned in this article, but I would take one quarter teaspoon and hold it in your mouth over the affected tooth for four to five minutes and then swallow. Now, I've had a lot of people do this, a lot of my listeners, and this works, okay? I don't think I've ever had anybody report back to me, it didn't work at all. No, it does work. Um, now, I'm not saying there couldn't be a point of no return. I mean, if your tooth is already rotted out of your head and it's already infecting your jaw and stuff, and you got, like, osteonecrosis of the jaw, then, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's a point of no return for anything. But, I mean, um, if it's not too far gone, this should work. Because your body's going to absorb the colloidal silver sublingually through the gums, through the mucosal membranes of the mouth, which is highly absorptive. That's why fluoride toothpaste is so wonderful because you get the, the fluoride, which is you know this neurotoxic, cancer-causing, bone-softening, uh, toxic agent, and you put it right into the mouth and, and you brush your teeth with the sodium fluoride toothpaste, which is a byproduct of the aluminum industry, a toxic byproduct of the aluminum, aluminum industry. And that's why they put it in toothpaste because it's just logical, evidently. And um, you get that nice big absorption of sodium fluoride into your mouth. And then you drink your fluoridated water, and then you drink all the other fluoridated beverages and foods that they make fluoridated stuff with, and, and you get your nice dose there. So, you know, we're getting fluoride all over the place if, if we're not being careful. Anyway, um, uh, going back to this, I say I would... Um, uh, take a course. I need to write in here 5,000 part per million because you really need to use 5,000 part per million um, in 5 mild silver protein. Hold it in your mouth over the affected tooth for 4 to 5 minutes and then swallow. I would do this 3 times a day until the tooth pain is gone. Now, if you're prone to teeth problems, if you're just going to do one product I know of, it's going to be Biodent by Standard Process, which is a professional line I've specialized in for a long time. The actual product line, Standard Process, was created by a dentist. The first product he came out with was in 1929. Biodent was one of his first products because he was a dentist and he saw all kind of problems with his patient's teeth and he started to quickly understand and ascertain that these were from nutritional deficiencies in the diet. It wasn't because they didn't have enough fluoridated toothpaste or whatever. It was because... You, your health comes from the inside out, okay? And if you have teeth problems, it's because there's an internal problem that needs to be corrected. Biodent is a very, very good product to build up the teeth. And um, so anyway, next question, bleeding ulcer question. Uh, I'm asking you to pray for my friend's sister, Margarita. She's only 19 and in the hospital with a critically bleeding ulcer. 
She also has arthritis so bad that she is unable to stand without assistance. She's 19? Lord have mercy. In the past two years, I've seen her go from a vitally healthy young woman to someone who looks and moves like a person much older than her in years. Almost sounds like a curse was put on her to me. I mean, I'm not saying that's the case, but I mean, 19? You know, all the stuff going on could be, especially in today's day and age. Um, But the most critical matter now is that she might pass away from this ulcer. And although she has been recently baptized, my friend is unsure about whether she has a full understanding of her salvation. Please pray for her. Which I did. Now this was sent to me a little while back. Um, I don't think I got an update on it. But my response was, yes, I will do so. And I also know what would fix this. Chlorophyll complex. um, The chlorophyll complex by standard process will stop any internal bleeding typically quicker than anything I've ever seen. By that, I mean internal bleeding of the stomach, the intestinal tract, the colon. I've seen it stop massive internal bleeding in those areas literally overnight. Now, if it was in the stomach, what you would want to do is take each chlorophyll little gel peril and poke a hole in it and actually, it's really, really super messy, but if you have a bleeding ulcer in the stomach, it's the quickest way you can do it is to actually squeeze those into your mouth and swallow them four or five at a time. It will stop the, a bleeding ulcer quicker than you can believe, typically. I mean, I can't guarantee that, but I've never seen it fail. Put it that way. The reason is, is because chlorophyll and human blood are almost totally identical if you put them under a microscope. What is chlorophyll? It's plant blood. What is our blood? Human blood. What is the difference between a chlorophyll molecule and a red blood cell? The difference is, in a red blood cell... You, you um, have iron as one of the key constituents. In chlorophyll, it's magnesium. So the only, hardly the only difference between a chlorophyll molecule and a human red blood cell is that if you could just exchange the iron component for the magnesium, that's the only difference. So it, it has a, a very, very good anti-clotting effect. It helps build, it actually has natural vitamin K, which is an anti-clotting, um, it, it's the anti clotting, fat-soluble, platelet-building-up component of the fat-soluble vitamin family, vitamin K. It only occurs in oil-based chlorophyll at any kind of reasonable level. The chlorophyll you buy in a health food store is garbage. It's water-based chlorophyll. It goes right through you. It turns your stool dark green because your body's not absorbing it. The oil-based chlorophyll, the standard process cells, will not do that unless you took it in massive doses. But that's how you'd stop a bleeding ulcer quicker than anything I know of. Now, if you added in ocrepepsin, E3, also by standard process, that also rebuilds the lining of the stomach. It won't stop the bleeding like chlorophyll, but then again, the chlorophyll doesn't really rebuild the lining of the stomach. It stops the bleeding, so it's it's like having the right tools for the right job. They both complement one another. Ocrepepsin E3 and Chlorophyll complex by standard process, both of them by standard process. You would do that nine a day on both until the bleeding stop, probably stop in a day. And then you would want to stay on the ocrepepsin to rebuild the lining of the stomach and the chlorophyll for a little while afterward as well. Chlorophyll is an incredibly good thing to take anyway. It's like a fat-soluble multivitamin. Um, so anyway... Um, I'm just looking at the other things I've read. Um, 
Okay, so the other thing that she had talked about was the massive um, oh, arthritis. That, that I would really, I would really need to know more about the. Um, I only gave the response on the bleeding ulcer because that was what was getting ready to kill her. Essentially, the arthritis wasn't going to kill her. A lot of forms of arthritis. You got osteo. You got rheumatoid. You got psoriatic. You got ankylosing spondylitis. You got all these autoimmune types. It really depends. It depends what stage you're at. Are you in stage four degeneration in the discs, in the back, or in the joint spaces in the hands? Um, do you have massive deformities going on? I mean, it really depends on where it is. And, there, and then there's gouty arthritis that likes to get into the thumbs and into the uh, big toes and the feet. And so it really depends on what you're, specifically what type of arthritis you're dealing with. Um, osteo is probably one of the hardest to treat because it does so much bony, long-term type damage. It's very, very hard to reverse. Rheumatoid can be really, really hard to treat if it's if it's advanced and so it really depends on what type you're dealing with um, regarding what type of response I would get into. Um, here is an email from Nicole, listener. Um, Hi, Dr. J. I just tried the C-Complete powder, which is one of the whole food, food state vitamin C's I recommend. I have the tablet and then the powder. It's not from ascorbic acid. It's not synthetic. Um, and if you don't know the difference, key in like synthetic in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com and see the PDFs that I've put out on that. Because synthetic vitamins are really nothing more than a glorified drug. And that's the norm, what you're going to get in a health food store or in a uh, Walmart or CVS or whatever. You're going to get synthetic vitamins. And again, that's been all by des- done by design by the pharmaceutical companies to get you thinking that this is a vitamin, it's really not. Anyway, I tried the C-Complete powder from an 8, my last order. I'm a huge fan. I could tell the difference with energy and focus when I drank the C-Complete powder. Perhaps I was deficient in vitamin C. Well, here's the thing with vitamin C. We cannot manufacture, humans cannot manufacture vitamin C in the body. Animals can. Humans can. And what is the main organ in the body that needs the vitamin C? Not only the immune system, but the adrenals. And the adrenals are what help you cope with stress. And people now are under a massive amount of stress. And then what they do to compensate for that is they want to whip their adrenals into action through things like nicotine and caffeine and those types of things, which it's like whipping a tired horse, further depleting your reserves of vitamin C, whatever little you might have. So, things like this or um, the whole food state vitamin C's. I know there's camo camo berries high in vitamin C. And obviously oranges. I'm talking about natural sources. Um, these are other ways you can get it. Um, so, she says, anyway, my mom and my sister are also fans and my powder went fast. Thank you so much. So, that was that. Another um, email from Jessica, a listener. She says, brother, I don't want to take up much of your time because I know you're busy, but I just had to share my experience with you. I've just been prone to getting chest colds my entire life. And about four years ago, I got a bad bout of bronchitis while I was pregnant. I've had it once or twice since then. And the cough is so bad that my chest feels like it's going to rip open. It's extremely miserable and painful. My mom suggested that I try some colloidal silver that she had purchased from you. It was the 5,000 part per million. I started out seven drops each morning and evening. 
along with the vitamin C, which add, with added bioflavonoids also twice a day. On the second day when I woke up, I did not have the heaviness in my chest or feel like I needed to cough. That's really amazing for just two days being on it. And only seven drops, that's that's a very light. But again, seven drops of that is equivalent to like probably drinking a bottle, if not even more, of 20 part per million silver, like an 8-ounce bottle, because it's so concentrated. Anyway, I'll have to admit that I was skeptical at first, but I was willing to try anything to keep the bronchitis from setting in. This is the first thing I go to at the onset of any cold from now on. Your sister in Christ, Jessica. My response, thank you so much for your testimony. Also, just so you know, the most powerful way to take the silver for a lung infection is to um, use 100 part per million, the mild silver protein, you use that straight into a nebulizer, into a, the nebulizer cup, in a, like one of the nebulizer inhalers, and then you, um, you inhale that for four to five minute intervals several times per day. That's also the quickest way you can actually literally go after a lung infection. Something that you can take. Um, other things that are really, really important for lungs. Okay, Vitamin A is one of the most important things you can do for any type of, particularly if it's chronic or even acute, vitamin A. Now again, the vitamin A you're going to get in the health food stores is a joke. It's synthetic, guaranteed. 99% of what's going to be in there is not real. It's it's a synthetic form form of um, uh, vitamin A, I believe alpha-tocopherol, that you're going to get, and it's not going to be what you need, okay? Uh, Standard Process makes a like a whole food vitamin A called Cataplex A. Um, there's also a product out there called Pneumotrophin PMG, which is um, a a product specifically for lungs that Standard Process makes as well. These are just things I'm throwing out there that if you had a really bad lung infection that you're dealing with, you know, nebulize the silver, take it internally, take some pneumotrophin, maybe take some cataplex A with it. These are just things that are going to optimize and get you over that healing crisis, that healing thing much, much quicker. You start to combine things and then it really works a lot faster. Because you never know what the weak link in the chain may be. So let's go further here. Now, as far as the nebulizers go, you're going to have to try to find those online. They're only by prescription now, thanks to Big Brother in America. But I have had people get them on eBay. I just had somebody the other day email me a link. And they're like, is this one okay? I said, it looks good to me. <laughs> I'd order it while I could. You know, nebulizer they got off eBay. So, no, here's the next one. From Sandra, a listener. Um, blessings, Brother Scott. Quick question. I have pink eye. Um, I have on hand a bottle of 500 part per million silver and a few bottles of the 5,000. Can you tell me how to go about diluting either strength of those to be used as eye drops according to the physician's desk reference on your website? It says to use only 50 part per million in the eye, so I do not want to calculate incorrectly. I told her, Sandra... Dilute one drop of the 5,000 part per million with 100 drops of water to make a 50 part per million eye solution for pink eye. This is just math we're doing here. It's not like I've got the secret grand poobah formula on how to dilute this stuff. It's just a matter of doing a little bit of division to determine this, okay? So that's all you really have to do. 
um, um, to to determine this. Okay, so so this is sim- super simple. I can tell you the, the division that you need to do. You just okay if you've got a five thousand uh, bottle of five thousand at home, you want to know how to make the hundred part per million. Okay, You're, I'm sorry. You want to know how to make fifty part per million. Okay, um, for the eye for the eye drops. Okay, because fifty part is really the only thing we use it for in Invive is for eyes. That's it. That's about it. Uh, I guess you could use it on like Candida for an infant. Actually, they even say 100 part for that, but you could do it on that. Anyway, all you have to do is if you want to arrive at a 50 part per million solution, you take whatever part per million you have, okay, in this case it's 5,000, and you divide it by what you want. Meaning, you divide, if you want 50 part per million, you divide it by 50. And if you divide 5,000 by 50, you're going to get 100. Okay, that's the number you're going to get. What does that mean? That means you use one drop of the 5,000 part per million to 100 drops of water, distilled water. Okay, and um, let me let me type that in there, especially for I use. You want to only use distilled water when you're doing this anyway. Okay, so you can go to the grocery store and get some distilled water. It's more pure on, and you know that you don't want any any other kind of contaminants in there so um, if you want to make if you have 500 do another example and you want to make the 50 part per million eye drop solution well then what you do is you divide 500 by the 50 because that's what you want you want 50 as your end product and you get 10 okay so that means that you take one drop of the five hundred part per million and add it to ten drops of distilled water and then what will that give you? That will give you a fifty part per million eye solution for any eye infection, pink eye. I have never seen anything work better on pink eye than fifty part per million in five miles over protein. I've never seen anything even touch it. It's like pink eye's a joke. I mean, it, it gets rid of it. Now, again, I'm not supposed to go around claiming anything because only the guys with the magic white coats and the magic prescription pads can do that. I'm just telling you, from my experience, um, that's what I've seen. Okay? So, and, and again, I understand there's exceptions to every rule. I mean, you have somebody that, that you know, let's say they had had the infection go so long and so far and so out of control and it was also internal. Okay, well, then, you know, you would need to do more more internal intervention, but I never go above 50 part per million for any eye stuff. It's just it's just the max dosage you want to use for eyes. Okay, um, you do one drop of this solution in each eye, of the 50 part per million in, in each eye until you're better. You know, that's all. Um, I'm sorry, I'm just typing in distilled there again just to make sure that's in the PDF when it goes out. And, um, then she responded back to me after I sent her that, and she said, thank you, the mild silver protein cleared it up quickly, as it does most things I've encountered. Just wanted to let you know another successful mild silver protein resolution. Okay, again, and then too, what, one of the things that, you know, you'll get, you'll get these other people promoting disinformation that, oh no, it's going to turn you gray, taking that really high-dose mild silver protein. There has never been one reported case of Argeria, which is where you see the blue man or the silver man or whatever the people that drink that 
turn gray from colloidal silver. Number one, every one of those cases I've ever seen, I've seen two in person, lady in Topeka, Kansas, when I was there doing the, the, the recording for the avion flu presentation, and a man in uh, Bellevue, Florida, at another presentation I was speaking at. Two Christians, they drank copious amounts. Six, the one lady told me, I drank 16 ounces of my colloidal silver generator water I make per day. She says, it turned me gray, but I don't ever get sick. I'm like, well, I guess that's an option. That's ionic silver. That's not colloidal silver you're getting. It's very unstable. It's very inferior. It's very cheap. Converts to silver chloride within five seconds of hitting the stomach acids or the bloodstream. The chloride's in the blood. The hydrochloric acid in the stomach turns it into silver chloride, which is a inert, inactive form of silver that will build up in the soft tissues. It's ionic. It's electrically generated. And five miles of a protein is colloidal. It actually is a particulate colloid. And it will not turn into silver chloride in the bloodstream or in the stomach acid. Therefore, it doesn't build up in your soft tissues. Now, you do want to make sure you're drinking plenty of water because when real colloidal silver hits the bloodstream, okay, or gets to an infectious site, it kills it. What is that called? It's called a Herxheimer effect where it's actually killing things. It's killing viruses, bacteria, fungus, candida. And if you don't have enough water, if you're not drinking enough water while that process is going on, you're going to go through a big-time detox reaction. Now, that could happen. I've seen it happen with women that literally do one drop of the 5,000 part per million before bed. They're so loaded with candida into the bloodstream that they literally go into a Herxheimer reaction with one drop. They're like, it just knocks me out. Well, you need to drink a lot of water, and you need to start slow and build up. You know, for that type of person, that might know, they might only need 15 drops three times a day, even at max dosage. I mean, if candida is the biggest thing, I mean, it's very, very efficient at killing candida. Um, but it works a little too good sometimes because it doesn't take a lot when you're dealing with such a concentrated product for it to have a gigantic effect. So bear that in mind. Um, I have a lot of things I've put out in the past on other PDFs. I have documents I can send on the mild silver protein that walk you through the initial startup dosages. If you suspect a high amount of candida or yeast or even viruses or bacteria in the body, you want to kind of start slow if you have that as an option. I mean, if you were battling something life or death, you really wouldn't have that as an option. But you just want to make sure you keep your, your fluid intake high. Eight to ten glasses of purified water per day helps flush everything out. Um... Holding each dose in the mouth for three to four minutes before swallowing. The stuff's expensive. You want to get as much out of it as you can. Sublingual absorption in the mouth is the way to go. You want to hold it in the mouth for three to four minute doses. Swallow. What I do is I hit my tongue with a, just a, not even a drop. Just like if you took, if you go up to the internet, go up to herbspro.com, key in organic peppermint oil, herbspro.com. Key in organic peppermint oil. You'll find a brand by now. It's a great oil. It's the one I use. You just basically grab the top of that and shake it against your finger while your finger's over it and just hit your tongue with that. Take your silver dose, whatever it is, if you're doing even 10 drops, 15 drops, if you're doing a teaspoon, whatever, hit your tongue with it. Um, You'll taste peppermint. The stuff doesn't taste good because it's so concentrated. 
Um, and um, it's like anything else. You concentrate anything to a certain extent. It's not going to taste great. But what that will do is make it much more palatable. And you're like, well, it turns, it turns my teeth brown. Well, okay, about 10, 15 minutes after you've taken the dose, brush your teeth. Can, it's so concentrated, it can leave a film on the teeth. But it's not like it's staining your teeth. It's just, it's leaving a film on them. So these are things, these are some objections that I, I can get. And I understand. I, I mean, I, I hit my tongue with peppermint too. It's very concentrated stuff, but it works. So anyway, let's go to the next question. Um, this is from Liz. And it was on Tempur-Pedic beds, comment and warning, plus an alternative. With regards to Tempur-Pedic beds, because I had mentioned that in um, some of my uh, studies, we had one, and after sleeping on it for a few months, we started to feel not so well. We did some research and discovered memory foam is loaded with chemicals, and they put out gases. In other words, it outgasses. We went on a forum with other people who were having a lot of problems as well, so they may... So they may be comfortable, but not so healthy. We now have a completely organic bed made with wool and latex, and it is the most amazing bed we've ever had. We met with the manufacturer at a home show. He just was one guy making incredible beds out of pure latex, natural latex, and pure wool by building layers. Here is the contact to his website. She gives that. Okay, now I went up there and I watched all the videos, and then I researched it myself. Okay. Yes, I think that if you if you have the money now, these things are expensive. Okay, it's out of my price range, but they're expensive. But yes, if you had the money or whatever to do it, and it felt so led by God, that's the way I would go. I mean, it, it is unbelievable. And this uh, latex, they can make it literally organic, and it's literally they're showing the, them tapping into these trees and these forests and like the. The liquid um, rubber or whatever is coming out of the tree, and that's literally what they're using to manufacture the bed. And then the wool, and that's also like, you know, they're doing that organically or whatever. It's it's pretty amazing. Very expensive, but then again, you could pay more for a Tempur-Pedic. I priced those out, and I mean, they're, they're outrageous. So, it depends, but that is if you want to avoid outgassing. That is the best thing you can do. Okay, now, my response, again, um, I'm going to come back to this one point I was going to make, but my response also, I checked this link she sent me out, and I also checked out another one. And unfortunately, it seems like that you have to go through Canada or New Zealand to get one of these natural latex organic beds some of them it's just the latex. Some of them they do the wool and the latex, like the wool on top. Canada seems to be the place to go to get these for one reason or another. Not to say you couldn't get them in the United States or elsewhere. It just looks like you would have to jump through a whole lot more hoops. And I gotta believe that shipping would really be reasonable on like a king size bed coming from Canada. I'm sure it'd be just you know probably five ten bucks. You know just a. No, I mean, I can't even imagine. It'd probably be like, I don't even know what it would cost. Anyway, um, but I give you two different links. Okay, snugsleep.com and then this grassrootstore.com. Natural latex mattress with heavy wool topper. Anyway, I wanted to give that out because I had mentioned Tempur-Pedic, and yes, they do outgas and and these types of things. Now, as an alternative, if you already had one of these mattresses or whatever, 
Um, you can go up on like eBay or um, these types of things and and elsewhere. And like I got one of these the other day. It's called an O3 Pure. And unfortunately, the model number may be N51. I don't know if that's the model number. There's not a lot of markings on this thing. Anyway, this thing puts out a really nice amount of ozone. For all the bigger it is, it's great to have either in a bedroom or a bathroom or whatever, like a one-room thing. Because if you have like a big ozonator, the problem with that is that it's, it can put out a massive amount of ozone, um, like those Royal Air Purifiers that I've recommended in the past, and I still do. They're very expensive. But the thing is, is, is you can't, it's centrally, if you have it even centrally located, it's not going to permeate every room. It's obviously going to be a lot more concentrated in one area. The thing I like about these little guys, you plug them literally into an outlet, and it just ozonates that room, okay? And so it's O3 Pure. Um, it has a, it's when you turn it on, it literally comes on at the lowest setting, and then it, you is you dial it, and, and you can dial it up to where it's putting out a lot of ozone. I mean, <laughs> you can go in there; it can be totally overwhelming. If you have a mattress that's outgassing or anything that's outgassing, and let's say, well, hey, I don't have the option of going out. I already bought a really expensive mattress. I can't just go out and buy one of these natural latex. Listen, I get it. What you can do is put one of these in the room or an ozonator, and when you're not in there, you shut the door and you let that little dude work at full blast when you're not in there, and then when you come in, you can turn it off, let the room air out, and th- that way what it's going to eventually do is is kill, is going to um, not so much kill, but neutralize a lot of the outgassing that's going on. Because obviously things, at, at, with time, they outgas less and less and less. And this is one way you could approach that as an alternative. I'm trying to kind of give you some... Now, these these are about... Um, I think these are about 30, 40 bucks around there. They're really well worth it. Not only that, if we got into a situation where we had an H7N9 pandemic bird flu, you, and let's say it was so bad that people were quarantined in their houses, and let's say it was so bad that you literally had a safe room in your house where you had the um, black like uh, visqueen plastic trash bag stuff over the windows. You tried to create an air like tight room almost. Not You wouldn't want it totally airtight because then you wouldn't get any air and you all suffocate. But you know what I mean, okay? Let's say you had a safe room like that, like in your basement. If you had one of these running at a low level, what it is going to do is kill anything of a bacterial, viral, fungal origin in the air. This is why these are really good to have in areas where you have mold or prone to mold because it'll, it'll naturally kill that. This could be a literal lifesaver one of these little dudes, okay? Now, what you might want to do is have one of these in an EMP-proof container because if we got hit with an EMP, like I said with the trash cans, uh, galvanized trash cans with a tight lid, um, if we got hit with an EMP, you'd want to have something that was protected. Make sure that whatever you have in the trash can is not directly contacting the metal of the trash can or line the trash can with something like cardboard or carpet or whatever so that there's some barrier there. Okay, and again, I've, I've covered this in previous teachings, but I just can't cover it all right now. Now, let's go further. I had a question from a listener, Michelle. She said um, it was about the Echolo Blue. This is the atmospheric water generator that I've recommended, okay, that I have. And she said, 
I know you have a water machine from Echo Blue. Echo Blue. Now it's E C O L O Blue B L U E. You can look them up online. Um, if we had an EMP attack, how would we protect the water generators? It's a huge issue. Uh, if you don't have a well on your land, and this is what you're relying on to generate your water, now, granted, if we didn't have power, oh boy, okay, that's even worse. She said, if we had an EMP attack, how would we protect the Echo Blues? Don't they have chips in them, meaning electronics, essentially? Yeah, and they'd be fried, absolutely, totally fried, useless, okay? I'm about to purchase the solar panels that go along with mine. Echo Blue actually has a solar panel unit that you can get with it. Okay, now I understand this isn't feasible for everybody. This stuff isn't cheap. The Echo Blue units, I think now they're like twelve hundred. The solar panel units, I'm not even sure, but they're they're pricey. Okay, but what they do is they're specifically designed to go along with the Echo Blues, and you could literally be powering your Echo Blue water generator with the sun, generating clean, pure water without any electricity. Which could literally be a total lifesaver. No doubt about it. Um, um, she said she's, she's purchasing the solar panels that go along with hers. But if the EMP fried them, the solar panels would be useless. Any thoughts on this? Um, I said, yes, you're right. The only way to compensate for this is to have an extra. And I know this is even more unfeasible for most people. But I still feel like for those that feel so led, I like to at least say, okay, well, here's what you can do. Okay, you order an extra Echo Blue, or either that, or have the one that you have in with the solar panels in an EMP-proof Faraday cage, which is a tall order and a lot of extra money for most to put out. Now you could build these. You can go up on the internet if if you uh, um, if you're handy or whatever. They're not that hard to build. If you try to order them. A big enough Faraday cage to put a, a whole Echo Blue water thing in. I mean, I don't think they fit in the galvanized trash cans. They're really outrageous. Okay, but you can make them yourselves, and they're really not that expensive if you did it yourself and just take a little bit of not really advanced carpentry at all. Um, anyway, you can build that, and you can protect the solar panels and the Echo Blue in a Faraday cage. Now, listen, I know God's in control. I'm not saying to go out and go do all this. I pray about it. I'm not saying we run around like our, you know, chickens with our head cut off and be panicking about all of this stuff. The Lord's in control. I realize that. I'm just saying if you're in that position, if you already have an Echo Blue, if you thought about these things and you feel so led, there's your solution. Okay? That's all. That's all. You take it to the Lord in prayer. Um... The, the new Echo Blues that they have, I believe, are much easier to maintain than the one I have. The one I have is like, it's pretty much on its last leg now. The, the, the water pump went on it, and you can't get to it. I mean, I've tried, I looked at it, and I'm like, well, maybe if I had, like, the, um, there's no way you could really get it apart to get this thing off that I would need to send back. And I said, well, maybe if I had, like, some type of, like, you know, multi-thousand dollar tools where I could get, you know, like, maybe if I wrote NASA and they sent me, like, a special toolkit, I could probably get to this part, maybe. And if they sent out their lead scientist, I could probably manage to get the thing off. I don't think I could ever get it back on, but I could probably get it off. So I'm in a situation where I got no cold water and I got no hot water. 
but it still works. I'm like, well, I'm just going to be satisfied with that, and and that's fine. Now, I don't know how long my hot water pump's going to hold out, but, you know, I just don't want to go out and purchase, you know, monetarily. I'm just not wanting to do that. <laughs> so, the, the newer ones, I think, are easier to take care of. Um, I don't think there's much hassle. I think they've got the filtration down better. Uh, they do have the solar panels that you can order, and... Um, those are kind of your options there. Because, I mean, water is a huge, huge thing. I mean, water, getting water is like one of the main... You can have all the food in the world, but if you have no clean water, you know, you really don't want to go more than three days without it. So it's um, something that you want to think about there. All right, last report here from a listener and in Florida, and it's entitled Edible Medicinal Landscaping. She says, hi, Dr. J, we live in Florida. My heart is burdened, as I do believe our country is on the verge of massive breakdown. I'm attaching a picture of my edible and medicinal yard. Okay, the backyard has, and I give you a picture here. The backyard has just as much, uh, and it's just as much, meaning the medicinals and the um, edibles, and it also houses beehives and chickens. I do garden using permaculture methods, which are permanent agriculture, which I believe is the way God intended us to garden, only using natural fertilizers and natural pesticides. Natural, okay? I, I totally agree with her. The, the building and building the soil, which feeds the trees and plants, which, of course, feeds us. See, if the soil is healthy, the plants growing out of that soil will be healthy, and they have their own natural protection mechanisms built in against pests, against fungus, against things of this nature. Okay? The plants grown in the fields across America in the um, agra, big agra thing, where they're using GMO terminator seeds, the soils are totally depleted, they're spraying pesticides, fungicides, herbicides, the soil's totally dead. They have no immune system. They have no ability to fight off anything. So you have to use the pesticides and fungicides and herbicides to keep the plant living long enough to harvest, you know, that shell of a plant to bring it to market. Okay, so going further, this method also reduces the need for water. It mimics the forest and often doesn't require any watering at all as one continually layers the soil with cut leaves and limbs which will hold the moisture in the soil, which is also like kind of composting. It's you know, goes back into the soil, okay, which further gives it more nutrients. So you're further, you know, it's everything's contributing to the health of the plant. Um, it doesn't require any watering at all, as one continually layers the soil with cut leaves and limbs, which will hold the moisture in the soil, even in Florida. I did not water at all this past summer. This is, this is smart. I mean, all this is what she's saying is really, really smart. I have... Put, also put in several swales, which is kind of like where you bring the land up so I think it holds water better. I don't believe most people realize just how much can be grown on one-tenth of an acre in the city and just how many edible plants there are. Most of these plants do not look edible. Also, if people do not garden in rows, often folks do not realize that edibles are even in my yard. So now we have stealth, we have camouflage. I watched a video on this the other day where this guy was walking through the uh, forest the, the, around where he lives and he had done all these edible plants in the forest near where he lived. Nobody knew they were edible. 
And and he knows where they are. So in a crisis, he can literally go out in the forest, forage for the plants he already planted, and have plenty of food. Now, I used to read a lot of books on the Everglades and on um, like the early, early Everglades and, and the Indians when they came down here. Uh, they were for, the Creek Indians were actually forced down in the Lower Peninsula, and um, this is when the Calusa Indians were already dead. These were the ones that kind of took over afterward. The Calusa Indians had already been wiped out by plagues and stuff. And these were like the creek that actually became the Seminole and the Miccosukee. And then they interbred with a lot of other races and stuff. So it's kind of a hodgepodge. But anyway, what they would do is they would have, um, they call the Everglades the River of Grass. Okay, But there are little islands in the Everglades which were dry. Okay, And what they would do is they would go in there and they would like just throw, I don't know, whatever seeds they had. And they would come back and like, you know, however many months later, they'd have plants growing and stuff. They were doing this all over the Everglades. So when they made trips, like let's say they had to go from one side to the other. They had to go from the Atlantic to the Gulf side, okay, which was a major, major trip, okay. And you really had to know what you're doing or you would die out there, okay, because the Everglades is a big, gigantic place. They would have all of these islands they had already seeded with already edible plants, and they would have a smorgasbord waiting for them when they got to the island. And then, you know, not only the other, you know, they could fish, and they could. there were other ways they could get food. It's really, really smart. It's brilliant. So anyway, it reminded me of all of this concept that we're talking about here today. Um, most of these plants do not look edible. Um, and then she goes on to say, my mailman asked me this summer if I grew any normal garden edibles. And I stated as of, I'm sorry, hold on. And I stated, of course, peppers, eggplant, squash, and many other culinary medicinal herbs are all around my fruit trees. Using what she calls a companion planting method. Meaning they're like working in this symbiotic relationship. Um... Once I pointed them out to him, he was amazed. He didn't even know they were there. I've also been able to hide several water catchments um, in my yard with my overgrown garden. I also use many perennial vegetables rather than annual vegetables. Perennials do not have to be replanted every year like annuals. A great book on, on about these types of vegetables is called, and she gives me a link here, it's in the PDF for this teaching, Perennial Vegetables from Artichokes to Zuccotti Taro, a gardener's guide to over 100 delicious and easy to grow, I guess, plants by Eric Tonesmeyer. Anyway, I'll give you a link there if you want to get that. God has given us so many edible and medicinal plants. Here's a great webpage to learn more about foraging, and it's eattheweeds.com. Um, Here's a link to a video of another couple in Florida that gardens using this permaculture method. So it's a YouTube link, and it's kind of like one-stop shopping, this email she sent me. And it's incredible how much they're able to grow in their yard. I have been to their yard, and I believe they could live off it. <laughs> Praise the Lord, man. Um, most people don't realize just how much can be grown in an urban environment, especially if you use your own backyard uh, orchard method. And I, and I will admit, this is not my forte. I can barely keep up with this ministry. And I just don't, I mean, I just, I'm not really in a position where I could really grow a lot where we're at right now. But you can always do 
something. Um, but I really firmly advocate this 100%. This is just brilliantly smart and, and um, uh, just a very, very smart thing to do. Permaculture methods can be used in all climate zones for food, um, even on one-tenth of an acre. I want people to know that, that much can be grown in urban areas that have their food plots and they do not even look like a food garden. I know people, I mean, I've seen these videos of even people with balconies and they use all of this, oh, this vertical growing methods and stuff where they grow these gigantic vegetables and tomatoes and things of this nature and, and are able to keep the soil really, really super rich. And You know, yeah, I mean, there's all kind of videos like that as well. Many people think that I have a native flower garden. Um... And then she goes on to say, ECHO is an organization that prepares missionaries to live in third world countries. Because of this, much of their publications have to do with off-the-grid living. Their organization is in North Fort Myers. <laughs> Remember when I used to do my, um, this is me talking again, when I used to do my uh, teachings way, way back in the day when I first started, back in 06, back in 07, that time era, well... I did all of those presentations essentially on the same road that Echo is. I lived in North Fort Myers. And Nonetta, the widow that hosted our Bible study, she lived on Durrance Road. Durrance Road is, is where is where Echo is located. I show pine every day. I, I lived out there as well. Um, and so I drove by it. And so, yeah, Echo is, um, is top-notch. And... They um, they prepare missionaries to live in third world countries. They have a lot to do with sustainable farming, and and they're really big into getting the seeds to people in a particular area. They're Christian too, as well. They're very very big on getting the seeds that will grow and do the most benefit for that indigenous area. The moringa seed. Well, they're really, really big into those because you can do so many things with those seeds. I mean, with the bark, the plant. The, I mean, almost every part of the plant is unbelievable, and they grow typically very, very well in a lot of different climates. So they have moringa seeds. Um, actually, I bought some from them not too long ago. If you do have seeds, it's always good to keep them. And you're going to store them. It's always good to keep them in your freezer in like a glass container with oxygen absorbers, and then what I do is I take rice, if you have seed packets and you're going to freeze them, you, you put as many as you can into like a mason jar, drop rice into there until it's full with oxygen absorbers, and then that way the rice will shove out the oxygen as well. And then you keep them in a tightly sealed mason jar in your freezer. It'll maximize seed life. Okay, anyway, that's just something you could try. So, um, anyway, she's telling me their organization is North Fort Myers. They offer a appropriate technology tour. The class is the class is titled Appropriate Technology as they teach missionaries to use whatever they have on hand appropriate for the folks that will, will be using it, um, which is cost-wise and availability. See, they're, they're really big into working with what a particular missionary would have disposal of in that particular locale or location. They're very smart in the way they pursue things. And they're they're excellent for that. Here's a link to many of the PDFs which could be useful for all, and many pertain to off-grid living. And this is from their, their website, echocommunity.org. 
O-R-G, anyway, I give you the link here, or she gives you the link. And I believe you sent this link out before, but it may be worth sending out again, and it's the backtoedenfilm.com. I've also tested this method in my yard, and it really has worked well. This method is the same as permaculture. It creates a cover for the ground and roots, and once the material decays, it builds soil. If folks are worried about termites, they just need to get some chickens. Chickens will eat termites. I didn't know that. You know? Um, and um, So anyway, yeah, get some chickens. There you go. They love termites. In fact, I saw a chicken the other day wearing a shirt that said, I heart termites. I didn't know what it meant, and now I understand it after I read this. I'm like, wow. <laughs> well, wonders never cease, you know? Oh, sorry. So anyway, I just kind of made that up. Have you ever seen a chicken wearing a shirt? I don't know. I mean, I like, like, dogs and cats in clothes and stuff. I mean, I think it's adorable, but a chicken in a shirt, I don't know. Anyway, kind of ended on a wacky note there, but I'll go ahead and end this now in a word of prayer. (laughs) Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and this time you've given us. And uh, I thank you for letting this come together again, Lord, and and, um, just, Lord, to explore truth, Lord, to... uh, expose evil, uh, to hopefully help prepare the end-time remnant body of Christ for what is coming, body, soul, and spirit, um, and then so that we can also, Lord, be a light to other people and ultimately lead people to the Lord Jesus Christ as a result of what you would do through us, that we would be able to be a blessing to other people. And I do pray, Lord, that you would forgive us for any and all sins we've committed, as we forgive those who have sinned against us, and that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart will be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer, that you cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults, that they would not have dominion over us. And I pray that you use us mightily for your glory, Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.